Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Athens Politics Nerd Podcast. Today, we'll go over what happened at this month's commission meeting here in Athens, Georgia. Then we'll talk with Charles Hardy of the Athens Alliance Coalition about the new official homeless camp as that gets up and running. After that, we'll talk redistricting. Alex Vandenhuvel, friend of the show and campaign consultant who worked on the John Q. Williams for Sheriff campaign, will let us know how the political maps have changed after the 2020 census. Let's get to it. The ACC Commission got an earful this month about the Police Oversight Board. There were 48 public comments in total that tilted strongly in favor of the board as the Athens anti-discrimination movement came out in force to support its passage. Here's what Mocha Jasmine Johnson had to say about it. One too many times we have watched police officers walk away without repercussions after causing harms to black and brown lives such as Officer Salters winning a $250,000 lawsuit after using his vehicle to stop a suspect from fleeing the scene, causing harm. Mr. Patman had a warrant for probation violation, a nonviolent offense, yet he was chased down like a dog and hit so hard he flew over the top of the car when it struck him. In 2020, the tear gassing incident left a serious taste of distrust and, div- and division within our community due to officers using military tactics on civilians, followed by misinformation released by athens Clark County Police Department justifying their actions. How can we trust a system that was designed to protect the blue? And these are just some of the reasons why we need to establish a civilian oversight, not to mention the Athens anti-discrimination movement on a regular basis receive ongoing complaints of mistreatment by officers during arrest or while incarcerated. The incidents I mentioned only scratched the surface. It was disappointing to see the GOC disregard the task force Ms. recommendations Ms. Johnson, after thank spending you. months over one year doing research and working with NACO, national experts, yet despite our concerns, They disregarded our recommendations. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. I appreciate you coming. Despite that fact, I will say I support y'all recommendations, but I urge y'all with caution to make sure that there's not barriers that's going to cause this public safety civilian oversight office to fail. A few members of the Athens GOP were also present at the meeting, and they spoke against oversight of police. I'll ask you folks at the outset here, what problem you're trying to solve because I've been to a bunch of the meetings associated with this whole thing and listened to a lot of people and no one has been able to articulate what problem they are trying to solve. You know, I think the police force here in Athens is absolutely fantastic. You know, in the last full year where they have statistics, they were, there were 92,000 interactions with the public here in Athens and there were 52 complaints. That is excellent. Are we perfect? No, that is excellence personified. And instead of creating an oversight board, right, that has no accountability, we should be throwing the police a damn parade for the excellent work that they are doing. The oversight board passed unanimously, but that's because all the controversial stuff in it was taken out in committee. So to be useful for anything, the board is going to need people on it who are passionate about reforming our criminal justice system. Otherwise, it might be totally ineffective. So, spread the word. When they're ready to seek applicants, I'll definitely let you know. 
The commission also passed a human relations commission at this meeting, which has been another major policy goal for the Athens anti-discrimination movement. They've actually been fighting for this since 2016. Sometimes even small things can take a long time to finally happen. But don't doubt it was people standing up and speaking out who made a difference. The goal here is to encourage dialogue around equity and inclusion and to help residents who feel they've been discriminated against to file a complaint. Lastly, the commission decided to give all frontline ACCGov employees a $1.75 hazard pay bonus for every hour they worked during the height of the pandemic. They'll also get $1,000 as a retention bonus, which they should see in their paychecks coming soon. The commission hopes that this will help reduce employee turnover, which has been edging upward recently, as it has everywhere. The cost is around $8 million, which will be paid for out of the American Rescue Plan. One thing that hasn't been voted on yet is the nonprofit which will run the new official homeless camp that's getting started. This vote has been delayed twice already but it's currently scheduled for December 7th. One issue may be that there was only one applicant who expressed interest in running the camp. That was Charles Hardy's group, the Athens Alliance Coalition. I'm not 100% sure why this has been delayed, but maybe Charles can fill us in on the details. Joining us now is Charles Hardy, founder of the Athens Alliance Coalition. Thanks for coming on the show, Charles. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. For listeners who might not be familiar with the Athens Alliance Coalition, can you tell us why you started the group and what you do in the community? What made me founded the group, Chris, man, I, I just seen a lot, a lot of needs around Athens, Georgia, uh, with the youth, uh, with the homelessness, and just peoples in general needing support. I'm going to tell you, and, and 10 years ago, my mama died. 10 years ago, my mama died of cancer. And four hours before she died, she I asked her, I said, Mama, what is it that you would want for me to do if you're not here? What would you want for me to do uh, to better myself as a man? And she said, baby, all I want you to do is help build this community up, help build a community up. She said, that's all I asked for. Four hours later, she died of cancer. So um, I gave my mama my promise 10 years ago that. This is what I was going to be doing. And this is what I'm going to be doing to the day I die. I mean, that just, I love what I do. I love it. I love it. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and as you know, the local government is starting an official homeless camp, which should be ready to go soon, from what I understand. Um, so what's been your involvement in that project so far? Uh, so I was the one that actually, well, me and, Athens Alliance members, we was the one that actually stepped in on the CSX project um, when CSX said that all the homeless people would have to move off their land uh, that day, actually. They wanted them gone that day. And I and I was able to convince CSX to uh, to let the homeless stay there until we can try to find some help. That when me and uh, Mr. Brent Temple and John Mars, us three got together and we bumped heads and we like Let's try to get a legal encampment so the homeless quit getting evicted from uh, from property. So we sat down, we got a resolution together, and 
thanks to our mayor and commission, man, we got it passed. So that's how that came about. Okay, cool. Do you think that some of the homeless people who, who are getting evicted at the CSX, the, the railroad site, um, do you think most of them will want to go to the official camp? Uh, for the last two weeks, uh, we've been sending our councils, Athens Alliance councils out to meet with the homeless and see. I mean, because the encampment can only hold, hold 50 individuals at a time. Right now, what my councils are telling me, man, we got well over 50 that's ready to come to this encampment and uh, try to get their life back started right. And we and I told John to make sure he get a waiting list too, because this homeless encampment, I don't want it to be temporary for one individual. I want to be able to get them in now, get them set up, uh, get a trade, get a job, uh, start, you know, getting back in the groove with the community. And then by us partnering with Advantage, uh, we're going to offer them rapid rehousing once they ready to leave the encampment. And that'll give us a chance to rotate other people's in there and get them stable. Uh, so it's a process. Cool. Yeah. And, and that's advantage is advantage behavioral health in right. Athens, just for right. people might not know. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. And so there was a request for proposals that the local government put out. Um, and uh, so Athens Alliance Coalition uh, applied for that or, or responded to that. Um, can you tell me about that? Because uh, they still haven't, they keep pushing back the date when they're going to vote on this. Um, is there okay. anything you, you can tell me about this process or how that's going? So. The reason why it's being pushed back is because we want to make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. This is new, not just for Athens Alliance, but also for the government. So we're making sure that we got everything into place uh, before we actually open up the encampment. So it's, it's going to be on the agenda from what city officials are telling me. It's going to be on the agenda December the 7th. So I'm really excited from the beginning with me with Athens Alliance, just dealing with homeless people, man. Me and Commission been real supportive of that. I mean, you got some real caring commissioners uh, that want to see the homeless people get help. I, I hate that it took 30 years, 40 years, but hey, um, time is changing, man, and we got to move with the time. So I wish you the best of luck and thanks so much for everything that you're doing. Thanks for your service. I appreciate that, Chris. Appreciate that, man. If you're interested in how the vote on the official homeless camp turns out, I'll be live tweeting the commission meeting on December 7th, so make sure to follow Athens Politics Nerd on Twitter at NerdAthens. Now let's turn to political redistricting, which happens once a decade after the census. The maps were all redrawn by the Georgia legislature in a special session that happened recently. So we have all the maps except for the local one which was approved by the commission and that the legislature will approve later. I'm going to go over all of them with Alex Vanden Heuvel in just a second, but first I wanted to give you some background on the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This act was one of the most important victories for civil rights ever, but unfortunately it was gutted by the Supreme Court back in 2013. That means Georgia's new maps don't need to be approved by the federal government at all. And despite Democrats controlling both Congress and the presidency, I have to be honest, they've been unwilling to stand up. They should have abolished the filibuster and passed a new voting rights bill into law, but they didn't. That means things aren't looking great for us here in Georgia. 
But on the other hand, the old Voting Rights Act does still exist, and it could provide the basis to challenge the maps that Alex and I are about to discuss. Gerrymandering based on race is still illegal in this country. It's just gotten harder to fight. Okay, well, here with me today, I've got Alex Van Den Heuvel. He is a campaign consultant who works in the Athens and Atlanta area. Um, as far as Athens races, uh, you may remember that he worked on the John Q. Williams for Sheriff campaign. He, he was the finance uh, director there. Uh, well, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Alex. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm really glad to be here with you. Great. Uh, so we're going to talk about redistricting. That's an, a hot topic uh, today, for sure, in, in the political world. Um, so I thought that we'd start with the local level first, and then we'll work our way up to the state level. Okay, so as far as the local maps, um, and if you're watching on YouTube, I will put the, that map up right now. So these have been approved by the commission, and they were sent to the legislature um, as a recommendation. Now, of course, the legislature can do whatever they want with it. They can send back a completely different map. We'll have to see. Um, but uh, so, so as you can see, though, not much has really changed in this map as opposed to the old map. Um, so districts two and four um, added population in the last 10 years. Uh, and so these districts have shrunk. So if you see, look at district two, um, district one actually took a big bite out of that. And district four uh, lost a little bit to district seven, which has lost population and thus had to get bigger. The Board of Elections actually had worked on a much more ambitious map, um, but they, did, they didn't have a lot of time to pursue that. And so they had to kind of drop it because there's not a whole lot of time to really work on these. Uh, is there, Alex? No, because the census data was late. That made this process begin late. Um, and a lot of states are currently actually running the risk of being sued because they're so late that people will not be able to run. Uh, you know, and run a good campaign for those new districts because they don't know what districts they live in yet in many cases. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that no one has um, announced. Usually there's, there's a couple of people who announce a little early for the local races uh, that are coming up in May next year, um, but no one's announced yet that I've heard. Um, have you heard anybody? No, I haven't. And I've also been very surprised by that. I know that I check in with you every once in a while, just curious, and I've been checking in with other people, and there's not been a word about that. And I think that largely has to do with the fact that no one knew for sure uh, what district they'd be living in. Um, and, and what do you think about these maps? Uh, will these have any effect on the local races at all? Um, would you have liked to see, have seen a different set of maps, or how, how do you feel about it? I feel pretty good about the maps. I don't have any problem with them. I would have liked them to stay mostly the same. Um, you know, the most important thing is that you have districts that um, give different uh, minority communities opportunity to represent uh, people from those communities because they historically have not been able to. Um, and districts that were majority minority going into this process would be uh, two and nine in particular. Um, and both of those have retained that character despite, I think, a lot of gentrification, especially has happened in two in uh, Eastern Athens. Mm -hmm. That's changed a little bit. Um, so I think that this won't really have any political impact. I think a few of the commissioners were upset that their districts were getting changed, but I don't really, I don't really understand why necessarily. I don't think anyone's going to be threatened by their new districts. Um, like you said before, I think a lot of them literally did not change whatsoever, even a little bit. Three commissioners voted no to, to approve these maps, which I thought was really weird. Um, I think, uh, Mike Camby was one of them in his district. I don't think changed at all 
I think I was looking at the map and they may have changed like literally a block or two. Like, you know, uh, I think the largest one that got changed, if I recall, would have been Allison Wright's district. Even then, like I said, I don't think any of the districts are changed so much in their fundamental character and the neighborhoods that they represent that that would threaten any of them. So, and some of the lines had to be moved to make the numbers work out. So, I, yeah, I don't really understand why any of them would have been upset about it. That's just life. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes your district <laughs> changes based on population. Exactly. It <laughs> yeah, has it's to. weird that they, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Legally required to. Um, okay. Moving on to the state level maps. This one's fun. So the state house, we used to be split into three pieces and now we're split into four pieces, which take it away. What do you think about that? Well, it's really ridiculous and it kind of shows how far uh, the Republican Party is willing to stretch the definition of what a community of interest in, which is uh, what you're supposed to be targeting. You're, you're supposed to be putting a community of interest, a community that shares, you know, a history, political boundaries, all these different things into one district. You know, under normal circumstances, if you were trying to keep state house districts within one county, which is kind of a, a reasonable expectation, I think. Athens has almost the exact number of people you need to have two state house districts within the county solely, right? Um, the districts are still somewhat competitive, I think. You know, these districts aren't worth just completely writing off, but they are uh, at least a few percentage points more Republican than they were going into this process. I think that if you ask the Republican Party to justify it, they would say that they put almost everything they could uh inside a loop in a district. And then they put, you know, the Western side of Clark County in a district, the Southern side of Clark County in a district, and then Winterville into a different district based on what angle those districts were approaching at. And that's okay because Athens is fundamentally different inside the loop and outside the loop. I don't buy that argument. And I think that's made up nonsense to justify a, ju a gerrymandered map. But, you know, if you ask them, I imagine that's something they would try to argue. Yeah, I'm sure they can try to defend it, but you know we're the smallest county in Georgia. Like you said, we have enough population for two districts, but they split us into four. That yeah, that's it's really kind of outrageous. Um, but uh, yeah, so about the the state senate maps in the Athens area, so the lines have changed somewhat, but we're still two districts, um, and it's still going to be the two same people that we've always had: uh, Frank Ginn and Bill Kowser. Any thoughts on on those maps? Yeah, they didn't change it very much. I think the reason they moved the lines was partially because they needed to make other districts work out, but also because um, Bill Calder's old district, which had parts of Clark County, um, maybe roughly 40% of it or 50% of it, um, all of Oconee County and most of Walton County. Um, you know, Oconee County has moved a little bit in the Democratic direction. His parts of Clark County did as well. And then over in Walton County, you have that rapid growth from Atlanta starting to uh, manifest itself uh, in parts of Walton that are starting to grow really fast and trend democratic. Um, so I think his district was getting a little bit, you know, it went from being non-competitive over the decade to being a little bit competitive. And I think that made him uncomfortable. So what they did was they gave Frank Ginn's district, which was much more Republican, um, more of Clark County and gave uh, Bill Cowser parts of other red areas to maybe uh, offset that change a little bit. And yeah, on paper, I don't think that these are going to be particularly competitive. In a really uh, strong Democratic year, you could maybe see them getting within 
single digits of each other, maybe 9% or 8%. But I think that's the best that you could do as a Democrat in one of these districts, maybe getting 43 or 44% of the vote. Okay, yeah, let's move on to the federal maps now. So all of Athens will be in one U.S. House district, that's District 10. Uh, we used to be split into 9 and 10, but now 9 is will be to the north of us, so none of Athens will be in 9 anymore. So what do you think about this new di- District 10? Um, it looks maybe slightly more Democratic. Maybe a percentage point or two um, from adding more of Henry County um, and more of... Um of Newton County, but I am more of Athens, but I don't think you could say it's competitive. You know, right now I'm looking at the presidential numbers in 2020, Donald Trump got 61% of the vote. Uh, Joe Biden got a little bit less than 38% of the vote. Um, so that doesn't seem particularly competitive to me. Um, but who knows, again, like we've said multiple times, what's going to happen by the end of this decade. Uh, so GPB state politics reporter, Stephen Fowler, um, I saw a tweet by him, and he said that District 10 uh, might be competitive eventually, is what he said. Yeah, and whether that means him, yeah, six years, eight years, I'm not sure, but still, it's something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, he's definitely not wrong about that. I think it hinges a lot on how, you know, suburban expansion plays out in a few of those counties, like Walton County and Barrow County and uh, Henry County that are kind of on the edge of Atlanta. Well, okay, let's zoom out a little bit now uh, to all of Georgia. How do you feel about the uh, the U.S. House uh, maps for Georgia? What I can see is that they put uh, basically Lucy McBath and Carolyn Bordeaux in the same district that they drew um, Bordeaux out of her district. And then Lucy McBath's old uh, district is much more red than it was, whereas Carolyn Bordeaux's is now much more blue than it was. How, how do you think about this? How, how is this going to affect um, politics in Georgia? I actually don't think that Lucy McBath lives in the new version of Carolyn Bordeaux's district either. I think that she okay. still lives in her own district, but they just made it much more public. Because I think that she lives in Cobb County, kind of in the Marietta area. Okay. Um, yeah, they basically, um, instead of trying to make both six and seven, which had become much more competitive over the last decade, instead of making those both um, gerrymandered Republican districts, I think that that would have been a stretch of the math and that they could have backfired on them. They also had to shore up um, Barry Louder Milk's district, uh, District 11. Um, that had been getting rapidly more Democratic over the past decade and a trend that I think a lot of people didn't notice. Um, they had to figure out how to shore up Barry Louder Milk and somehow get rid of Carolyn Bordeaux and Lucy McBath. And I think they've achieved all of those things. Um, well, they, well, they can't get rid of, um, well, I know Carolyn Bordeaux's old district is much more blue. I think they, they did draw her out of it, but um, I think she can run in it anyway. Like there's no rules stopping that. Yeah, um, so you don't someone is going to get district. a safe, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to live in your district, um, but you just have to live in the, your, the state that you represent. But the reason that I think they may, they may get rid of her is that she doesn't live in her district now, which is kind of a good talking point for primary opponents. But she was also drawn a district that was, you know, much more democratic and much more non-white than her old district was. So her district, if I'm looking at the if I'm looking at the numbers now by voting age population, is less than 33 percent white. Um, as we saw with, um, you know, uh, AOC's uh, victory in her district in New York, where she beat a long-standing white Democrat who was representing a district that was 
you know, rapidly becoming more Hispanic. You know, a lot of times I think that, you know, people want to have people from their communities that represent them. And, you know, having this relatively conservative white Democrat that doesn't live in this district that's rapidly diversifying and has all these different communities that want political representation for themselves and then they've never had it before. Um, you know, I think she's really vulnerable to having a uh, more left-leaning primary challenger. Um, I think there's already been some people who are looking into that and interested in that. And it may be that Lucy McBath, in order to stay in Congress, might run against her, uh, Carolyn Bordeaux, even though she also doesn't live in the district. So I think that, you know, Carolyn Bordeaux could be primary. Um, Lucy McBath won't be able to win in this current iteration of the district. That's much more conservative than the old version. Um, and Barry Loudermilk has a district that's a few percentage points safer. I don't know how he's going to fare in the future. But um, I think they achieved all the things they really wanted to do uh, out of this map. So if uh, McBath can't win, and I guess she knows that, do you think that she might run against Carolyn Bardot? Yeah, I think that's one of the more likely ones. Um, that would be really messy and toxic. And I think that's kind of what the Republican Party would want out of that is to really respected people tearing each other apart. Thanks so much for, for being on the show uh, with me, Alex. Thank you really for having me. It. It's been great. After recording, we found out that Lucy McBath is planning to run in Carolyn Bordeaux's district. Oh boy, hold on to your seats. This could get ugly. Thank you for listening. And if you want to support the show, you can head over to AthensPoliticsNerd.com slash donate and contribute a few bucks, or set up a $5 monthly contribution to become an APN member. APN would not be possible without you. Thank you so much.